Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose. And this uh, program today is on the series The Life. And the title of the program is The Good Samaritan Part 3. And so... Uh, Before we get started, Susan, would you like to open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are very thankful that um, you provided the the illustrations and the stories and all the lessons to be learned throughout the New and the Old Testament to help us to see a truer picture of who you are and how you want to work in everybody's life to bring us to... um, health and wholeness, and we're grateful for that, and we just pray that this program be used in that manner to to help people uh, become closer and closer to you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you remember, if you've been following along, the last couple of programs we did, we're, we, we, we're talking about the things that led up to the story of the Good Samaritan and uh, what we're coming to find is that a person's destiny is, is determined by his or her willingness to love. Supreme love to God and an impartial love to people are the principles that should be cultivated in our lives. And, you know, the other day, Susan and I were cutting up a, an oak tree that had fallen over the fence. And, um, and then she had gone down to get the gator or something, and I, and I got into the 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 cross branches of a tree there, and there, w- there was this nest there. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled the nest out for so we could show our nephew. And then, and then, you know, I kind of forgot about the nest, but it was in the back of my mind. You know, I was thinking about what the bird goes through to build the nest and everything and how he flies all over, gets all these different, you know, whatever. Of all kinds of different pieces mm-hmm. of material. And, and so then the next morning, I'm sitting in my office and I have a second floor office and I look towards the east to the Sierra Nevadas and this bird lands on my ledge and he's got a mouthful of like cotton stuff that he's going to go build a nest. And I'm thinking, okay, there's what is going on here. And then uh, I came to the realization, not instantly, but just actually this morning that we're all building a nest and the materials that we use are our fruits of the Spirit. We're born into, into a nest that we have no control over. But as we grow and as we mature, our character traits are building the home, mm. a.k.a. the brain, that where we reside. Mm-hmm. And we're building that nest, not only for ourselves, but for others. Mm-hmm. And what material are we using? Are we using anger, jealousy, fear mm-hmm. or are we using um 
Love, Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, kindness. peace, gentleness, because that's the home where we're going to reside. And it's our choice. Mm -hmm. But if we choose God-like principles, the fruits, Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruits. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I, it just struck me as what kind of nest am I building? Well, and the, and then also the Bible says, by beholding we become changed. Yeah. And um, so if we can t- continue to behold things or participate in things that are harmful to us, it harms our character as well as our brain, which I believe the Bible refers to as a sanctuary, because yeah. that sanctuary should be. Um, inhabited by the Holy Spirit and God-like principles, and then that leads to a happy, healthy life, regardless of the craziness that's going on around us. Yeah. Because that's that, what's happening right now. Lots exactly. of craziness. Yeah. You know, and if if that bird gets the wrong material for his nest, it will fail. And if we use the wrong material, if we build our nest, our home, the place that we reside with the wrong material, mm-hmm. um, it's and that's that's what the story of the good samaritan is about as we get into it but it's kind of i remember in a first day i show up i am tore up from the floor yeah i'm i'm maybe a week clean and sober and i don't even know how to drive because i hadn't driven sober in who knows how many years and so i i'm learning all kinds of new things and i get there and what did they do they put me in service. They gave you a job. They gave me a job. Right. You mean I got to make coffee for people that I don't even know? Right. What is this all and, about? And not only that, but you weren't a coffee drinker. I wasn't a coffee drinker either. Right. And so, uh, but what it what does it do? It's a principle that that they're using in the twelve step program, and that we use to get into service of any capacity. It made not, you a part of the uh, community, right? And you begin to benefit yourself and not even realize it. It's it, it it just happens naturally as you benefit other people. You get benefited yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And I just I, I see that those principles, and sometimes they get defeated. Sometimes when we um, when we or oh, how do I want to say require someone uh, to check all the boxes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you with me? Um, I'm not sure I'm saying it right. In other words, this has to come from with the things that we're talking about today have to come from within, and God's the only only one that can place those things there. Right, because it's really easy, even today, for us to look shiny on the outside, exactly. and perfect I, on the outside, yeah. and have a talk about a bird's nest. Have a bird's nest inside your brain, right? Yeah. Where you know the the fishing wire. If it gets a bird's nest, it's all tangled. So it's it's. It's it's easy for us to go through life and to present ourselves as people who have it all together, and in reality, we're broken and in pain and confused and fearful. And so, God God doesn't want to fix that outside. He wants that inside to be um, to be restored and to be fixed. And so, I think that the story of the Good Samaritan kind of shows that these three that came by and passed by, they looked pretty good on the, the two, outside. The two that passed by looked pretty good I'm sorry, on the yeah, outside. Yeah, the two that passed by looked really good on the outside, and they, they were respected and and held in high esteem. But there, the story shows what was really going on in 
in their hearts. Yeah, exactly. So now remember, this whole story develops as the Pharisees put a lawyer up to ask a question of Jesus and uh, and to try to try to trap him. Right. And, 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 and the lawyer, he realized that he was a, a lawbreaker. He was convicted when, when Jesus um, had asked him, you know, what, what are the Ten Commandments? Yeah, yeah. What, how do you read us to that? Right. Yeah. And so the lawyer knew what his condition was, and he was convicted. The righteousness of the law, which he claimed to understand, he didn't practice. And how many of us are going through life we understand the law, but we don't practice it in our own members, right? Right. We, we know it up in our head, but in our heart, it doesn't exist. Right. Uh, he, but he had not manifested love towards his fellow man. Mm-hmm. He needed to repent, but instead of repenting, he tried to justify himself. Yeah, so he asked the question, well, then who's my neighbor? Because, of course, Jesus says, you know, how do you how do you read the law? Well, love, love God and love your neighbor. Well, right. he's going to ask the question— Who's my neighbor now? Who is my neighbor? And and with the Jews, this caused quite a dispute because there was no doubt in their minds that the heathen and the Samaritans were not their neighbors. Right. And so who should the priest, the rabbi, the elder regard as their neighbors? They had spent their lives in rounds of ceremony to make themselves pure. Contact with ignorant and irresponsible, they taught, would cause a defilement. Were they to regard the unclean as their neighbors? So Jesus, as these questions came up and as all this stuff came up, he he wasn't going to get drawn into controversy. He didn't he didn't even denounce the bigotry of you know and all the calamity that was going on. A simple question of who is my neighbor caused all that confusion. But by a simple story, he holds up a picture of how. God's heaven-born love touches all hearts. And he drew it out of the confession of the lawyer's love for the truth. The lawyer really wanted to know the truth, but he's struggling. And we all struggle because if we really look at ourselves, are our actions motivated by love or are they motivated motivated by checking a box and making sure we got all the boxes checked. Right. What really is our motivation? Right. And and the way to dispel darkness is to admit light. I love that. Yes. I love that because the best way to deal with error is to present truth. It's the revelation of God's love that makes manifest the deformity of sin of the heart that's centered in self. Yep. See, because we can all have, you know, I I eat the right foods, I worship I am God, and I worship God uh, the way I'm supposed to, and I pay, you know, tithe, or I do all these things, but it can still be a heart that's devoid of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- and this is the whole. This is at the crux to this whole introduction to this parable, uh, or this story that Jesus talks about. And so he tells the story. He says a certain man was going down from Jerusalem. Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, which both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in like manner, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Right. So the story is considered by many to be a parable, but let's imagine for a moment that it really happened. 
And if it did, could the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side have still been there in the crowd that listened to Jesus' words? That yeah, it's have, very, you know... That would have been interesting, huh? Right. So, you know, and it was kind of rough. When a person went from Jerusalem to Jericho, he had to pass through a portion of wilderness of Judea, and I'm sure there was a, 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 many places there where a person could get robbed and attacked and, you know, stripped of everything that was valuable and wounded and bruised and left half dead, just like the story says. Right, so as he laid there, the priest that came... Um, by the way, he just glanced towards the wounded man. Then the Levite appeared. Curious to know what had happened, he stopped and he looked at the suffering man. He was convicted of what he should do, but it wasn't something, wasn't a burden that he wanted to take up. He Then he'd wish he hadn't even come that way, so he wouldn't have even seen the wounded man. Ever had that happen? I've had that happen. Boy, I wish I now I know about it. Now I go, I got to do something about it. Yeah, there's times and and grudgingly, you know, mm-hmm. we've gone through and done something, but definitely not with the right heart. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So he convinced himself that this case was no concern of his. Both these men were in sacred office, and both professed the ability to explain the scriptures. Uh, reminds me of Paul before his uh, getting knocked off the horse. Mm-hmm. They were specially chosen men, representative of God to the people. They were to have compassion on the ignorant and on them who were out of the way, Hebrews 5.2, that they might lead men to understand God's great love towards humanity. That was the responsibility and is the responsibility of anyone that says they're working for God. Absolutely, for any believer. Any that's, believer. That's the, that's the job. And that, so that, that's the whole purpose that, of why Jesus, that's one of the big purposes of why Jesus came to earth is because everybody was so confused about the picture of God and how he treated people. You know, I'm sure a lot of people probably thought, well, you know, um, he probably had it coming or maybe he did something or whatever, but God... Um, you know, Jesus um, shows the heart of somebody that that people look down on. In the Good Samaritan, Jesus is able to turn everything, every the story up on its heels. Yeah. Um, so they were called, the priests were called, and the Levite was called to do the same thing that Jesus had described as his own when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover sight to the blind, and to set them at liberty that are bruised. And that's in Luke, is Luke four eighteen? Yeah. Um, So, and this is just not this this selfish thing. This is just not something that's centered. um, That it's just not something that affects this little ball of mud we're on here. There are angels that see us struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot imagine the reports that my guardian... So they, they don't struggle with the selfishness, but they struggle with us as right, our... watching it. As our guardians. As I'm, our, I'm yeah. even wondering if my angel has not gone up and asked for a more promising candidate once or twice. You think? But I don't think angels are like that. No. But you can imagine what they go through because, you know, they're... They're in this mission to save humanity right. as well. They're, yeah, and so they see this distress, and they're ready to cooperate uh, with God in relieving suffering. And God puts us into situations 
so that we can see the needs of others just like our angels see our needs. And we also see the need of mercy and help. And all heaven is watching to see if we're touched with pity, if we're touched uh, by human misery. And once again, that all boils down to character. Does does a, another person, even if it's your enemy, when they're being harmed or when they're injured or or um, when they're suffering, does that cause you any grief, any distress? And I think it goes back to who is who is the master of the throne of your heart, right? Because if we place self there, then self is always going to refer to self and and figure out, you know, is this going to be good or yeah. is this going to be bad? But if we have the Lord, if we have Jesus on the throne of our heart, then hopefully we get to have um, the aspects of his character become ours. And then um, we can, you know, respond in the same way the Samaritan did. Yeah, because, I mean, what is the root problem? Selfishness. Selfishness. That's the manifestation of a bigger root problem, and that is fear. Right. Our problem is fear. And it manifests itself as we lash out and try to save ourselves in all these different ways, uh, usually at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. And it's constant. And it's it's something, it's like Paul said, deliver me from this body of death. Because we're trapped in this one body, and it's going to clamor for our self-preservation all the way through our life. Right. And so it's kind of, we're kind of attacked on all sides to see things from a selfish standpoint, right? So you've got to do what you've got to do to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. the world teaches, right? Mm -hmm. And you always got to be better from, better than the person next to you because Mm -hmm. if you're number one, then, you know, you get more accolades or you get more money or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. So everything, everything about us in this world teaches us to put everybody else down and away so that we can rise above. To elevate self. Right. Yeah. And it's backwards in heaven. Right. Heaven, um, in heaven, God will wash feet, and that's what makes him great. Right. You know? and, and, have, and have dirty feet as he sits at the Last Supper before he goes and he hangs on the cross yeah, for the people that he just washed their feet and yet they didn't wash his. Yeah, and they didn't know. And then he touches lepers and he does all of these things as a servant, and that's what's considered greatness. you know. In, in the eyes of heaven. In the eyes of heaven is being a servant and being in service. Um, and, and, you know, we started out the program kind of talking about that, that Jesus, Jesus begins in this interaction with the lawyer and he's, and they're talking about loving God and loving the neighbor and this principle of love running through those 10 commandments of don't take, don't take, don't take your neighbor's stuff. Don't take their life. Don't take, um, don't take the guy's wife. Don't take their reputation. Don't even think about taking. And so this permeates through this story of Jesus trying to explain the basic Ten Commandments by a guy walking by and shaking off his fears and bending down and helping someone he doesn't know and 
taking care of him. And remember, this guy just got robbed. He got all beat up. And so this Samaritan is in the same place. Right. He's in danger. Right. And he knows it. And yet he... He still does this. He still does this act of kindness, and he somehow ignores his fears right. and puts this man above himself. Right. He gives to this man instead of um, being afraid and running like the priest and the the Levite did. So let's talk a little bit about what the priest and the Levite could have possibly been afraid of. Other than the obvious that they're in, they are in a dangerous spot. This and guy that, just got all beat up, right? And he's they are in a dangerous spot, right? But what else? What else could they have possibly been afraid I, of? You know, of of you know, I I can get it because you take on somebody who's hurt and you just don't know how much. Okay, how much effort that right. might be? Yeah, but but, but th- uh, let's go a little deeper. What had they been preaching for years and years? That oh. the Samaritans, you don't even touch them. Right. Now, we don't know whether this was a Jew or a Samaritan was laying on the ground. We don't know who it was. All we know was that they didn't know, and they had been preaching that you don't you don't touch a person. Like, this guy's cursed to God. He's laying on the side of the road. He probably deserved it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is what they taught. Yeah. If you, they taught that if you were sick, if you had leprosy, you were cursed of God. Right. They taught that if there was a, if, you know, who sinned, if, this guy or his if parents. Calam- if calamity came upon you, It was then, a, the finger right. of God. Just like in the story of Job. Exactly. Right. And so the, the, all of this is going through their mind, and the last thing on their mind was love for this guy laying in the dirt, mm-hmm. which is where Jesus tells, this is why Jesus is telling such a drastic change from their theology mm-hmm. to a guy that says, I want to show you what's great. This guy's going to bend down, and he's going to help this guy. Not only is he going to help him, he's going to take him to the inn, and he's going to set him up there. Well, he's going to clean his wounds. You know, yeah. as as you're talking about it, almost is kind of like an analogy of what Jesus did, right? Jesus is coming from a place of perfection, and while he was in heaven and everything was perfect, and he comes down to this wounded planet, and yeah. it's he's got to give it. He's Jesus has to give all to this wounded planet to tend to the brokenness, to tend to the broken people and the, the people who are, um, you know, who are injured and dying and have disease, whether it be physical or mental or, you know, emptiness from, from what's happened to them throughout the life. And so he gives in order to restore us back to sanity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He comes from a place and he comes and we're in the dirt. Right. And we're wounded and we're bruised and we're broken and we've been robbed of our dignity. Right. Or we've given it away. And right. And so as we go through our daily life, is that how we look at our fellow man? Do we see that regardless of what we see on the outside, do we treat people like they're in need? You know, because everybody on this planet is in need. And if if you didn't know it years ago, you we certainly can see it today, the way the condition of the world is in. Is that Everybody is in need of the Savior. Yeah, and Jesus made it really clear, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you and harm you. So it doesn't matter who the guy is laying on the ground, whether right. he's friend or foe. Jesus says, love your enemy, right? right? So this is, the, this is the thing he's driving home. This guy's your brother, whether you believe it or not. Right. He's your brother, and we are all brothers and sisters, and 
I don't know that Jesus can drive it home any clearer than the fact that he became a human being just like us so that he could show us that we're all brothers. And then he ministered to everybody, whether they had leprosy, whether they were blind, whether they were a paralytic, whether they were rich like Nicodemus, whether they were uh, super religious but pointed in the wrong direction like Paul, it didn't matter. Or the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan, or the woman that was thrown down in adultery. It doesn't matter. He came to save, not condemn. And he became a human being just like the Samaritan that was laying in the dirt. He came to, to help that Samaritan laying in the dirt in helping us. And I, mm-hmm. I just think it's a fascinating story. Um, and we will do one more program on this uh, next time. And uh, we're going to have to wrap it up now, folks. So... Uh, you can give us a call, 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.